Is He enough for you this morning? Yeah? He's always enough. The question of our hearts is, is He enough for us? I hope He's enough for you today. He's more than you could ever ask or imagine. This Messiah that we get to worship today. Uh, I wish I had said that's enough after my second helping of food on Thanksgiving, but uh, if you're like me, maybe you had a little bit too much to eat, but praise be to God, uh, our Lord and Savior, He's enough. Amen? Amen. So uh, I have a rule. It's a personal rule. If you don't like this rule, that's, that's okay. I won't, I won't hold it against you. But I, I don't say Merry Christmas until Thanksgiving's over. Now, some of you, you may have had, you know, Christmas decorations up all month. That's okay. That's all right. Seems a little weird to me, but that, that, go for it. But now Thanksgiving's over. You can see the beautiful decorations here and out in our lobby. Let's give a round of applause to everybody who helped. Yes. And it's great now. It's like, okay, it's here. Merry Christmas. So what I want you to do right now, and maybe it's the first time you've got to say it this holiday season, turn to someone next to you or down the row or maybe wave across the room and give everybody a hearty first Merry Christmas. Go ahead. Yes. To those of you watching online, Merry Christmas. Turn to your neighbor in your living room or something. Merry Christmas. And so I'm so excited today because we're going to kick off a series uh, all the way through uh, Christmas uh, called The Gift. The Gift. On December 12th, we've actually got a special guest right in the middle of that series. David Brickner from Jews for Jesus is going to come and talk about Jesus and, and Hanukkah and the meaning of, of what, uh, what Jesus has done as the light of the world. We can't wait for that. But uh, myself, Pastor uh, Tim Volstrom next week, Pastor Larry Howard, we're going to be looking at The Gift. We love getting gifts at Christmas. Amen? I like getting gifts, yeah? Maybe you remember a gift as a child or as an adult, that, that special gift. And maybe it didn't cost a lot. Maybe it just had really significant meaning. Uh, but we remember that gift. The reason we give gifts is because Jesus is the greatest gift we could ever receive. Amen? And I love the saying, Jesus is the reason for the season. So we're going to be looking at this series called The Gift. And it's going to be in three parts. The Gift Promised the gift wrapped, and the gift exchange. And I'm going to be starting this off here today with the gift promised. The gift promised. And, and I love singing them, some of these Christmas carols. As a uh, worship leader, Bobby Swanson said earlier, these Christmas carol, car, carols excuse me, are rich, rich with truth and doctrine and theology that point us to the greatness of who this Messiah, this Christ child is that was laid in a manger. I love one of, one of them we sing is, O come all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. O come ye, O come ye to Bethlehem. I don't use the word ye too much, but I do at Christmas time. O come ye to Bethlehem. And at, in the chorus there it goes, O come let us adore him, Christ the Lord. Christ we're celebrating Christmas here, Christ Mass. It's a, it's a recognition, it's a remembrance, it's a holy celebration of the Christ. The Christ. Christ the Lord. And we're going to be taking a look at this morning uh, at the gift promised. The gift of Christ. And what does that mean? That, I mean, we use that term Christ, you know, you, you look at your Bibles and, and you see Jesus Christ. So is Jesus his first name and Christ his last name, right? Was it Mary Christ and Joseph Christ and they had Jesus the Christ? No, no. Christ is a title. And we're going to look at what that, what that title means this morning. And we're going to look at a few verses from the New Testament. Because as the gospel writers open up their writings here, they're identifying Jesus right away as the Christ. The Christ. And before we look at the scriptures, why don't we bow our heads and ask for God's help in understanding the scriptures here this morning. Our Father in heaven, we thank you so much for this Christmas season. The season where we remember Jesus is the Christ. But, but Father, for us, this term Christ, Messiah, it's, it's foreign from our everyday language. But it was so significant to the Bible writers. So would you please help us? Open our eyes, open our ears, that we may behold wonderful things out of your law. We trust that you'll do that by your Spirit. In Jesus' name, the Messiah. Amen. 
So we look at Mark chapter 1 verse 1. Now, I know you've been sitting maybe watching some football, hanging out, eating leftovers. So we're going to get some exercise today with our hands and fingers. We're going to be flipping through the scriptures. We're going to be mentally doing some exercise here as we look at what the Bible has to say about Messiah. Now, I can't cover it all in one sermon, but we're going to look at some aspects of what it means that Jesus is the Christ. But right in one of the very first books in the New Testament written, Mark chapter 1 verse 1. Mark chapter 1 verse 1. And I'm so thankful for our AV team. They do such a great job. I think they might get some of those verses shown up on the screen for you here so that you're not flipping all over the place. But Go for it. I, I give you a challenge to flip to every, every passage this morning. Mark chapter 1 verse 1 says this. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Right away, Mark makes it an emphasis to say, here's the beginning of my writing about the good news message of Jesus. And he identifies him immediately. He's Jesus the Christ. Extremely significant for him to identify Jesus as the Christ right away. Matthew 1.18. Now we get to the Christmas story a little bit. Matthew chapter 1 verse 18. We read this. This is very familiar for our nativity stories. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Right away, Matthew is identifying that this is the birth of Jesus, who he right away says is the Christ. The Christ. Very important for Matthew. We saw it was important for Mark. It's important for Matthew to identify this Jesus as the Christ. And of course, Linus and Peanuts, he thought this was important. Luke chapter 2, verses 10 through 11, speaking of these angels that are speaking and talking to these shepherds and and the angel shows up, Luke chapter 2, verse 10. The angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you great good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and we see it in John as well. These gospel writers take great pains to help you, the reader, and me, the reader, see that this Jesus, who we know of, who laid in this manger, that he is the Christ. This gift, this gift promised. Well, they already had an idea of who this Christ is. Who the Christ is. But for us today, we read this and it's like, okay, he's the, he's the Christ. He's, he's, what does that mean? It's a title. I, what significance does it have for me living in the 21st century though? I mean, the Christ, what does that even mean? Well, in the Old Testament, Christ meant, it was the word Messiah. So anytime you read anointed one or Messiah, that's the same word that we have in the New Testament, Christ. Old Testament, it was anointed one, Messiah. New Testament, Christ. What does it mean? What's this anointing? What does that mean? Well, this anointing was an act of consecration, setting someone apart, whereby an individual, again, set apart to serve God and is anointed, whether smeared or perhaps sprinkled with oil. Now, you got to understand, there's nothing magical about the oil. There's, There's nothing magical about that. But throughout the Hebrew Bible, Genesis to Malachi, people set apart for a special purpose were sprinkled or smeared or poured oil on their heads to signify God's blessing and power of the Spirit upon them for a special purpose. So we see little messiahs, little Christs, all through the pages of the Old Testament. And primarily we see these little anointed ones, these little messiahs, these anointed ones, these little Christs, as anointed for a special purpose. And we see three offices, three special purposes throughout the Old Testament. We see prophets that are anointed with the Spirit of God. We see priests that are anointed for service to God. And we see kings that are anointed. The symbolic act of designating these people for service by oil or another means. In fact, the prophets, we don't see the prophets actually anointed with oil too much, but we do know that they have this anointing from God so that they could prophesy. They could actually speak God's words. If you wanted to hear God's word in the Old Testament times, prior to the scriptures being written, you'd go to listen to a prophet and they would speak God's words. Why? Because they had the anointing upon them from the Spirit. 
In fact, Elijah, one of the great prophets of the Old Testament, as he was passing on his ministry to his successor, Elisha, he threw his cloak over him, almost as a symbol of anointing upon this person who would take on the task of being a prophet after Elijah would leave. We also see priests. We know in the Old Testament they would actually pour oil on the head of the priest to, to signify that they were set apart, consecrated for service to God and in his presence at the tabernacle or at the temple. And then of course kings. Oil would be poured over their heads as a symbol that they were to rule as God's co-regent over his people. Prophets, priests, and kings. Prophets were anointed with the Spirit to reveal God's truth. Priests were anointed to minister in God's presence. Kings were anointed to administer God's justice. But why do we need a Messiah? Why do, why do we need a Messiah? Uh, let's make it a little more specific. Why do you need a Messiah? This gift, this promised gift, we read about it, we sing about it. Why do we need it? What's significant about it? Well, the big idea this morning, if you want to write down a few notes, is this. Jesus is the promised Messiah who meets our deepest needs. Jesus is the promised Messiah who meets our deepest needs. And we're going to look at it three ways. Jesus, who's called the Christ. We saw it in Mark. We saw it in Matthew. We see it in Luke. We see it in John. We see it all throughout the Old, New Testament. Jesus is identified as the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the anointed one who meets our deepest needs. Three ways. First of all, Jesus is the promised word we need to hear the truth of God. Secondly, Jesus is the promised mediator we need to live in the presence of God. And thirdly, Jesus is the promised king we need to rest in the justice of God. Jesus is the promised Messiah who meets our deepest needs. Are you ready to go on a journey with me for a few minutes? Let's do this together. Point number one, Jesus is the promised word we need to hear the truth of God. God appeared to his people Israel. It was terrifying though. We go all the way back. The people of Israel have just been delivered through the exodus from slavery in Egypt. And there they are at a mountain. And this mountain is filled with smoke and thunder and lightning. It's absolutely terrifying. And the people of Israel say, we can't take this much longer. We're going to die. We, we can't listen to the voice of God. It's going to kill us. Send somebody who could come and speak God's words to us. And Moses was that man. God, Moses was God's chosen prophet to the people of Israel to speak and to administer God's law so that the people could have the, his revealed law and his word to their lives to know how to keep covenant with this God who had just rescued and redeemed them. But Moses, as he was getting old and he was getting ready to go off the scene right before they're ready to take the land of, of Canaan and, and cross over to the land. In Deuteronomy, Moses makes a promise. Actually, God makes a promise through Moses. In Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 15 to 19, Moses says this, the Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen, just as you desired of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, or see this great fire any more, lest I die. And the Lord said to me, They're right in what they've spoken. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And whoever will not listen to my words, that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. Moses is looking forward to a day when the prophet, the prophet par excellence, the greatest prophet would come and speak God's words to God's people once again because Moses was going off the scene. And guess what God did? He sent prophet after prophet after prophet, after prophet who came and spoke God's words to the people. And guess what God's people did to those prophets? They shut their ears. They shut their eyes. In fact, they threw Jeremiah in a pit. They sought to kill the prophets. They wouldn't listen to the prophets. They bowed down to the idols of the nations. Because you see, these prophets... They were proclaiming the law of God, but, 
but the law of God could do nothing to change their hearts. Moses gives the law and he says, keep the covenant with your God. And the prophets say, keep the covenant with your God. But these prophets were mere men. They could never do anything to transform the hearts of God's people, Israel. And many years later, Zechariah chapter 7, verses 11 to 13. I just came across this passage recently. Nearly knocked me out of my chair when I read this. Zechariah 7, 11 to 13. But they refused, the people of Israel, they refused to pay attention and turned a stubborn shoulder and stopped their ears that they might not hear. They would not listen to the prophets. Listen to this description of their hearts. They made their hearts diamond hard. Diamond hard. Lest they should hear the law and the words that the Lord of hosts sent by his spirit through the former prophets. Therefore great anger came from the Lord of hosts. As I called and they would not hear. So they called and I would not hear, says the Lord of hosts. God is saying, you know what? They wouldn't listen to my prophets. They, they fell under my judgment because of their sin. They tried to phone me on the phone and I said, I can't listen to you because you would not listen to my messengers. Their hearts became diamond hard. Friends, our hearts are diamond hard. Did you know that? My heart, when I was born, was diamond hard. Many of you speak to friends and neighbors and and you want to share this good news about Jesus and oftentimes you find that their hearts are diamond hard. The hardest natural substance on the planet. Our hearts become calloused and hard. And so Israel was longing. Zechariah was longing. When is the prophet going to come? This old covenant that we have under Moses, it's perfect and it's good. But the problem with keeping the law isn't with the law. The problem is with our diamond hard hearts. We need a prophet par excellence. We need a perfect prophet who would come and administer a new covenant and speak words that would penetrate those diamond hard hearts so that we could receive the good news and be rescued and saved so that we would be transformed not just on the outside but that we would be transformed from the inside out. So the longing of Israel was this. When would God send this promised prophet of Deuteronomy 18 who could speak truth and fix our hearts? Who could speak and change us from the inside out? The New Testament writers knew who this prophet was. Hebrews chapter 1 verses 1 and 2 say this. Long ago and many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. And what did we do? Closed our ears. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. You see, friends, God's love is so deep. His grace is so rich. He watched his people become hard-hearted, diamond hard-hearted to the prophets, and he said, they won't listen to him, but but I'm going to send someone better. I'm going to send the prophet, my son, who could come and speak life even to diamond hard hearts. John 1, 17 to 18 says this, For the law was given through Moses the prophet, but grace and truth, grace and truth came through Jesus Messiah, Jesus the Christ, Jesus the anointed prophet par excellence. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. There's something great about this Messiah prophet Jesus, friends. You say, these other prophets, they would talk about, about God. They would reveal God's words. But when we see this prophet, this Christ, this Messiah, this child in a manger, he doesn't just speak God's words. He is the word of God himself. We see God fully revealed in this Christ, in this Messiah. How do we respond to such a great prophet? How do we respond to God in the flesh with us? This promised gift that's come, this Messiah. Hebrews 2, 1 through 4 say this. Therefore, we must pay closer attention to what we've heard. This prophet is unlike any other. You would do well to pay attention to him lest we drift away from it. We cannot neglect such a great salvation. How do we respond to this Messiah at Christmas time? This prophet, this perfect prophet, open your ears. 
Open your eyes. Pay attention. Listen. I don't know about you, but I'll be 42 soon. This would be my 42nd Christmas. Christmas gets a little old, doesn't it? Oh, friends, don't let it get old. Listen. Open your ears. Messiah has come. He speaks grace and truth. He can soften even the hardest heart because he reveals God. But oftentimes, we don't want to listen to Messiah. We search for truth. We long for truth. And to where do we turn for truth? We often turn right here. Think about it. Over the last few years, we've been longing for truth, haven't we? It's been some of the most trying times I've ever seen. Probably many of you have ever seen. And we hear news we, we hear theories. We hear, uh, you know, all kinds of information going on. And, and if you've been like me, I, I've been scrolling. I've been swiping a lot. I want to see what's true, what's going on. I want to hear the opinions of doctors. I, I want to hear the opinions of authorities. I, I want to know what's, what's really going on. I want to get to the facts. And I wonder, you know, this person shared this, this person shared that. Is that reliable? I don't know. You turn on the television. This often can become our Messiah the thing we go to for truth. Friends, friends, we're searching for truth. We're longing for truth. This can only go so far. This cannot give you truth. Your spouse can't give you truth. Your, your, your uh, co-worker can't give you perfect truth. But I know someone who can. And that's what we celebrate at Christmas time. We celebrate the Messiah, the one who is the prophet, who has come and he is the word of God and he's given us his truth, the truth that we long for, the truth of his gospel. Friends, when we hear everything that's going on in this day and age, we long for something true. Can we believe our politicians? Can we believe our newscasters? Can we believe what we see on social media and in our smartphones? I don't know if we can believe any of that stuff, but we can believe. Messiah. He's true. He's true. He's true. This Messiah meets our deepest needs, our longing for truth. The law came through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Messiah. He is the perfect prophet who brings truth to our truth-starved hearts and lives. And only He can cut through all the callousness, all of the hard-heartedness. He can penetrate diamond-hard hearts to change us and transform us from the inside out. Friend, there isn't one news channel, there isn't one social media channel, there isn't anybody in all this world that can change a diamond-hard heart. I've got to go to Messiah. I've got to go to Messiah. He is the truth. He is the way. He is the life. We can become cynical. And we can become suspicious in a deceptive age. It seems to me a natural response. I feel it in my own heart. A suspicious eye. Cynicism. I don't know if I can believe what they're telling me right now. Oh, friends, don't get cynical with this Messiah. He's full of grace. He's full of truth. You can trust him to change your heart and your life from the inside out. Our world needs to hear the truth of Messiah this holiday. We live in such an age of deception. I want to ask you today, will you listen to the truth? Will you open your ears to this Messiah promised? Will you listen to what he says? Will you listen to his message? Will you listen to what he's done for you? His love message to you is that I've come, yes, as a child, but I did more than that. I came and I bared your sins on a cross and rose from the dead. Will you listen to Messiah in this age? Don't become cynical or suspicious of Messiah. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Will we listen? Will we listen? Will we pay close attention and not neglect such a great salvation? I want to ask you, you know people that I'm sure are feeling the suspicion of this age, of a dark age. And you know, sometimes it's easy to get into those conversations and comparing your sources, right? I think that as Messiah's people, we can come and say, you know what? I can't compare sources except this one source. Jesus is Lord. 
Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the perfect prophet who's, who is full of grace and truth. In an age of darkness, in an age of deception, and in an age of all kinds of suspicion, we as Messiah's people walk out of this room here today with a message. Jesus is full of grace and truth, and he is trustworthy. Will you tell somebody? Will you tell a neighbor? Will you tell a coworker? Will you tell a family member this Christmas season? What an advantage we have. People are open to it more than they are all season long. But they also are open to so many things that are deceptive. Will you say, can I introduce you to the one who is truth? As Messiah's people, as those who have his anointing, we're in him. Will we be people of truth and grace? He meets our deepest needs. Jesus is the promised word who speaks the truth of God to us. Number two, Jesus is the promised mediator we need to live in the presence of God. Jesus is the promised mediator we need to live in the presence of God. Now, we saw that he's this prophet, but remember, there were three types of offices that were anointed in the Old Testament. Prophet, priest, and king. And we're going to look at those priests now. So here's what happens. So Moses is, he leads the people out of Egypt and, and now they live in this, the wilderness and it's like a big campground, like the biggest campground you've ever seen. Like a million people there, right? People of Israel all living in these tents. And God says, I want you to set aside, Moses, a couple of people that are going to build this magnificent uh, tent for me called the tabernacle. And they do it all. All these great resources, people donate to it and all these beautiful things. And they have this beautiful tent. Man, God's going to live in our midst. This is going to be great. This is going to be awesome. We're going to have the king of the universe living right in the middle of our camp. And so they set up this tent and it's amazing. And at the end of Exodus, at the end of all this exciting journey, it says this, Exodus 40 verses 34 to 35. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And verse 35 is so depressing. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled on it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. What a bummer. Man, here we go. We're so excited. God's going to live in our midst. He's going to live right in the center of our camp. But none of us, not even Moses, could go in there because this glory would consume any of us. Because of our sin. Sin separated the people from God in the midst of the tabernacle. So what do we do about it? It's almost like a tease, right? Here's God's presence, but none of us could go there. What benefit is that? The whole book of Leviticus is written to help us understand how a holy God can dwell amidst a sinful people. And we see that Leviticus, God comes to Moses. He says, Moses, what I want you to do is I want you to set your brother Aaron aside. He's going to be someone special that will come before my presence and represent the people to me. And then he can go out and represent me to the people. That's called a priest, a mediator. This mediator who, who lives between so that God's presence can be with humanity. But about these priests, it says in Leviticus 21.6, they shall be holy to their God and not profane the name of their God. They shall be holy. Boy, that's a high expectation, right? I don't know about you, but I didn't live perfectly holy this week. Even at my best, I don't live perfectly holy. But here these priests are to live in such a set-apart way. They live perfectly holy. I mean, this is intense stuff here. They could not mess around with it. We saw some priests, they thought that they could get kind of casual with God's presence. And guess what happens? Fire comes out and consumes them. I mean, this is serious stuff. This is a holy God that's living in our camp. And it says in Leviticus 21.12 about this priest, He shall not go out of the sanctuary, lest he profane the sanctuary of his God, for the consecration of the anointing oil of his God is on him. I am the Lord. So once this anointing goes on the priest, they can go into the sanctuary. Okay, they have to be real careful about how they do it. But guess what? They can't come out and be with the people. They can't hang out with the people. Because guess what? In the midst of Israel, there's just things that defile them, right? Just living in a broken world, right? Dead animals and... You know, if a family member dies or, you know, human bodily emissions, all kinds of stuff that could defile you. So the priest has to stay away from the people. He can't live among the people or else he would defile and bring that defilement back into the sanctuary. Boy, this, this stuff is, is tough. What do we do? 
And not only that, but the priest himself has to make atonement for his own sin. He's not a perfect guy. Leviticus 16 talks all about this day of atonement. This day where blood would be shed so that there would be a covering over the priest's sin and over the people's sin. I mean, the book of Leviticus is just bloody, 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 bloody. Why? Does God love death? No. But sin requires a payment of death for the wages of sin is death. So here we have this priesthood. We have this priesthood that, that, that allows some access to God, but only on one day. That's all there is because of our sin. And so the longing of Israel, this little Messiah that's come, that his name's Aaron, the priest that would go in and come out, this little Messiah was just a reminder to the people, wow, we need, we need a better priest. We need a perfect priest we need someone who's going to actually open the way back to God. This, this way that was shut all the way back at the garden when Adam and Eve sinned. We can't dwell with God. This mountain, it's, it's awesome. It's, it's mighty. This tabernacle is filled with glory. How could we ever get back in the longing of Israel? When would God send a perfect priest the, who, who could truly represent us to God and represent God to us? We need a priest who can remove all of our guilt and all of our shame once for all. This constant blood bloodbath because of our sin. When will it ever cease? We need a priest who knows us, who can be with us and feels what we feel and can clean our conscience. Someone who could be acquainted with our sorrows and acquainted with our grief. Where will this priest, when will he come? It came at Christmas. It came with this anointed Messiah, Jesus Listen to how the writer of Hebrews refers to Jesus. Hebrews 9, 11 to 14. But when Messiah, Christ, appeared. We know he's a prophet, but listen to this. When Christ appeared as high priest, as high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, he entered once for all. You see, friends, back in the tabernacle, it was a slaughter. It was an animal. Every time you sin, here comes another animal. Every feast, here comes another animal. Every day of atonement, here comes another animal. We're slaughtering them over and over and over again. But this high priest, this anointed one, this Jesus Messiah has come. And what did he do when he died on a cross? He is the promised one who took away our sins once and for all. Hebrews 9.12 He entered once for all into the holy places not by means of the blood of goats and calves but by means of His own blood. His own blood thus securing eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of a defiled person with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh how much more will the blood of Messiah who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. You know, some of you came in here today with a dirty conscience. Some of you came in with a dirty conscience. You know, maybe it's from something that's happened to you or that you did in the past. Maybe that past is very recent. Maybe it's even last night. Maybe you're feeling the weight of your sin because of a dirty conscience. And you got up this morning, and you showered, and you used soap, and you put on deodorant, thinking, okay, I, I'm just going to come and be presentable. And everybody doesn't have to see what's going on in my heart, but maybe they could see the outside. I'm clean, and I kind of got it together, right? Right? So you come in here, and you think, here I am. I'm, I'm clean. I'm taking communion. I'm singing songs. But in your heart, you have a dirty conscience. The blood of this high priest the blood of this Messiah. It goes beyond just washing on the outside. It goes beyond an anointing that covers the head friend. This high priest, he says, I can give you a clean conscience. I could take away all the guilt that you feel because of your past. I could take away all the shame that you feel because of your past. I could cover it all, friends. I could cover it all. All the fear that you feel because of your past. Jesus, our great high priest, can cover it because of his sacrifice once and for all, friends. That's our high priest. That's what we celebrate at Christ Mass. That's what we celebrate about this anointed one. That he's come for you and he's come for me to give us a clean conscience. Amen. How do we respond then to this high priest? Hebrews 4, 14 to 16. Since then we have a great high priest 
who's passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Hold on to it tightly. Don't let this go. This is too good to be true. I'm clinging to Jesus, my Messiah, as long as I live. I do not want to give up this faith. There isn't anything like it in all the world. For we do not have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. A weak faith. Remember that priest in Leviticus, he could go into the sanctuary, but he couldn't come back out and be with the people. But we don't have a priest like that. He is one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. He could sympathize with your weakness. Friend, what are you feeling today? Are you feeling fear? Are you afraid of what the future may hold? Maybe, maybe you've got a diagnosis of an illness that, that has just rocked your world. Maybe you're, you're covered with shame because of something that's happened in your past. And maybe you've been kicked out of your family. Maybe you've had relationships that have broken down and you feel the shame of being so alone and outside of the family that you once loved. Maybe guilt. Maybe guilt keeps you up at night because of your past and the things that you've done. And you know that you ought to be judged. And you know that it would be just if you were judged because of your sin against God and against others. Maybe you feel weak today in your faith. I want to tell you, you've got a Messiah, a high priest who can sympathize with all your weaknesses. He says, come to me. I can cleanse your conscience. Come to me. I was a man of sorrows. I was acquainted with grief, yet I was without sin. I could bring peace to your soul. I could bring comfort to your heart. I could bring joy to your life once again when you come to me, your faithful high priest. I know how it feels to live in a broken, dirty, dying world. I know how it feels. I've been there with you. I love you. What a high priest. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find help in time of need. Think about this. Think about what separates us from God. You know, I was, I was thinking about this. Think about what I have in my hands right here. We're so tired of looking at these things, right? Right? The last nearly two years, these things have been on our faces. And they represent, and I'm not criticizing them, they've been necessary at times, but this has been a symbol that's represented our separation, that we can't be in each other's presence. You can't even hardly see the expression on my face, right? Try and read the eyes, right? Right? Think about it. We've, we've come up with new terms. Social distancing, physical distancing, isolation, quarantine, staying away from each other. There's this separation that we feel. Why? Because we live in a broken world. And we don't want to get each other sick, sure. But my goodness, friends, a pandemic is nothing compared to the separation that each of us have because of our sin before a holy and righteous God. There is no mask you could put on. There is no vaccination record that you could show that you could get you back into God's presence. you got to come through the great high priest who is Jesus the Messiah, friends. He's the one that could cover our guilt, remove our shame, and cleanse our consciences. Have you come to the high priest today? He sympathizes with all your weaknesses. Oh, would you come? Would you come? You could come back to the presence of God again. You could experience community and relationship like you've never felt it in your entire life. You could be ushered into and adopted into a new family unlike any family you've ever been in before. If you come to this high priest, come to this high priest. Jesus is the promised mediator we need to live in the presence of God. He meets our deepest needs. Our deepest needs. Our world needs closeness more than ever before. We feel it. We feel it. Our world needs real, vulnerable, authentic relationships. Our world needs the forgiveness and cleansing that can only come through the promised Messiah priest who was born in Bethlehem. Will we as Messiah's people say, I see you. I see your loneliness. I see your hurt. I see your pain. Let me introduce you to Messiah, this great high priest, this one who could bring you back to the presence of God again. 
I want to ask you today, think about that person that you may know. We've been praying for our one this, this year. Who's your one? And we've, we've invited you, if you want to pray for more than one, that's fine. Think about that one right now. One person who does not know Jesus the Messiah, who's never committed their life to him by faith and repentance. Think about that person. Think about the loneliness they may feel this holiday season. Think about all the fears and anxieties they feel. Oh, would you speak good news to them? Would you tell them, you know what, what Christmas means? It means that we have a high priest, someone who could bring you into the greatest relationship you could ever have in Jesus Christ. Oh, you are Messiah's people. We're Messiah's family. We'll re-represent this great high priest to a lonely, hurting world this Christmas season. I want to ask you, have you ever come to God through Jesus the high priest? I want to invite you. The writer of Hebrews says, come, come. He'll cleanse your conscience. He'll cover your guilt and shame if you just come to this high priest. No better time to do it in Messiah's season at Christmas. Jesus is the, the word that, that allows us to hear God's voice. Jesus is the promised mediator we need to live in the presence of God. And thirdly and finally, Jesus is the promised king we need to rest in the justice of God. These little messiahs, prophets, priests, and kings, we've got this promised king, and he's a little anointed messiah, right? He's a little one that's pointing to a greater one. But, but kings in the Old Testament, they were to be God's instruments, to, to lead the people in worshiping God alone and in ministering his justice and righteousness, especially to the most vulnerable of society, specifically the orphan, the widow, the immigrant, and the poor. And uh, that's the job of a king. That's what the king was supposed to do. Administer justice and righteousness and lead the people in worshiping God alone. And we know that the greatest king in all of Israel was a man after God's own heart, King David. And, and God made a very, very special promise to King David. In 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 12 to 16, God speaking to David, he says, When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up for your offspring after you who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish his throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. When he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men, with the stripes of the sons of men. But my steadfast love will not depart from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I put away before you. And your house, here's the key, and your house and your kingdom shall be made sure before me forever. Your throne shall be established forever. What a promise for David. What a promise. David's son and successor Solomon, he started out well, but he ultimately failed and was not the forever king that God had promised. He, he, uh, he did well for a while, but then eventually he bowed down to idols. And king after king after king from David's line, you think, maybe this is the guy. Maybe this is the guy. Maybe this is the king. But they all, almost all of them, to a person, bowed down to the idols of the nations around them. And not only did they bow down to the idols, they led the people in bowing down to idols. And not only did they do that, instead of protecting the vulnerable of society, they oppressed and exploited the vulnerable of society. They took from the poor and from the orphan and the widow and the immigrant. They mistreated the people that were under their care. They were terrible shepherds, God said of them. Terrible, terrible shepherds. And so that led God's people to asking, How long, O oh Lord? How long, O oh Lord? All this injustice, all this unrighteousness, all this idolatry, how long, O oh Lord? You see it in Psalms 13, Psalm 79, Psalm 89. These are poems that are writ written. How long, O oh Lord, will your enemies boast over us? How long will they mock us? How long will they oppress the afflicted? How long, O oh Lord? Have you been saying that the last few years? How long, O oh Lord? Maybe you've been in a trial for decades and been praying and crying out, How long, O oh Lord? When will, you, when will you vindicate your people? When will you defend my cause? When will you bring justice and righteousness to my life and to this world once again? How long, O oh Lord? Where is this king that you promised? Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah foresees the day when this Messiah King will come. You know it well. It's recited every Christmas. Isaiah 9, 6-7. For to us a child 
is born. And to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. Oh, wow. How long, oh Lord? Isaiah says, oh, he's coming. He's coming. A child is coming. And upon him shall be the government. And he shall be called the Prince of Peace. And he shall rule with the justice and righteousness that we all long for. Friends, if you've seen it this week, we've had several significant trials going on in our hearts. People in the streets with signs and and calling out, where's justice? We long for justice. Just a a week ago, we saw someone drive through a holiday parade mowing down people with this vehicle and we look at it and we see families mourning the loss of their loved ones. We see, don't see it just in the United States. We see it all over this world in places all throughout the planet. We see people suffering and dying at the hands of wicked, wicked people and we say, how long O Lord, he says a child has been born to you. A child who is the Prince of Peace. And he reigns with justice and righteousness. Jeremiah 23, 5-6 says, Behold, the days are coming, declare the Lord. I will raise up for David a righteous branch. And he shall reign as king. And he shall deal wisely. And shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days Judah will be saved. And Israel will dwell securely. And this is the name by which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. Christmas is about justice. Christmas is about righteousness. It's about the justice and righteousness that we long for, that our world longs for, that your neighbors are clamoring for, that the people on the streets in the news, they're longing for. But guess what? They think that they're Messiah. They think that they can somehow create it through a ballot box, that they somehow can create it through some sort of uh, checks and balances in the government. And certainly human governments need that. But those are just placeholders, friends, until Jesus puts his feet on the throne again and says, I'm here to finalize everything, to squash every enemy, to crush every, every, every enemy, every person that seeks to oppress my people. This Jesus is going to come and he has come bringing justice and righteousness. He's inaugurated his kingdom, friends. Don't think that you can't see it yet, that it isn't here. It's here and he's going to bring it one day and bring it with full force, the justice and righteousness that we long for. In fact, we see in Revelation 6.10, those that are martyred, those that are killed on account of Messiah's name, says in Revelation 6.10, they cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long, O Lord? How long, O Lord, before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? I love the answer. Revelation 11.15. The seventh angel blew his trumpet and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of this world is coming to an end. And it's become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah. And he shall reign forever and ever. Do you long for justice? Do you long for righteousness? What a season we've got before us. Messiah has come. He is the one who brings truth, justice, and righteousness that we long for. The hope for our world is not found in a ballot box, in a military, or in a constitution. Human government certainly needs these. They absolutely do. But they're merely placeholders. True justice and righteousness are desires that only can be fulfilled in part, if at all, by human endeavors. But our crying, our crying out, as we cry out, how long, O Lord? Right now, we've got oppression that reigns, and anarchy is our foolish response. How long will the unborn be threatened? How long will children and women be exploited? Exploited? How long widows and the poor forgotten? How long will criminals go free and the innocent be imprisoned and murdered? How long, O oh Lord, we look to the promised Messiah King? We look to Him. The kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of His Christ. 
and he shall reign forever and ever. Why do we need Messiah? We just flew through the Bible. Why do we need Messiah? Messiah meets our deepest needs. That's what we celebrate at Christmas. Not just a baby born in a manger. The reason why he's special isn't because he was born in a manger. The reason why he was special is that baby in the manger is Messiah. The anointed prophet. The anointed high priest. And the anointed king that we all long for. Jesus is the promised word we need to hear the truth of God. Jesus is the promised mediator we need to live in the presence of God. Jesus is the promised king we need to rest in the justice of God. I want to ask you, have you come to Messiah? Have you come to Messiah? Uh, One of my favorite carols, I started out with it, O come, let us adore him, Christ, Messiah, the Lord. Will you come and adore him today? Will you receive him as the prophet who speaks God's word to you? As the priest who brings you back into his presence? And as the king that gives you true justice and righteousness that you long for? Will you come to Messiah today? If you've never placed your faith in Messiah Jesus, I want to invite you today. We've got leaders. I'll be down here. I want to pray with you and help you understand how you could receive this Messiah. But most of us here today and watching online, I think many of us would claim to be Messiah's people. What do we do at this Christmas? This opportunity that's in front of us? Will we shy away? Will we just merely hide behind our closed doors? Will we merely just continue to isolate? Or will we be out there as Messiah's people saying, I've, I know someone this Christmas season who could give you the truth you long for. I know someone this Christmas season who could give you the relationships in your life that you crave that could solve the problem of your loneliness by restoring a right relationship with God again. And I know someone, this Messiah Jesus, who can give the truth and righteousness and justice that we long for. Will you come to Messiah? Will you today be Messiah's ambassadors in a dark, dark world, bringing good news of glad tidings which shall be for joy for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ, Messiah, the Lord. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, what a season we've just entered into. And it's not as if the calendar changes and now all of a sudden it's time to talk about Jesus. We talk about Jesus all year round. But, oh, Father, our friends, our neighbors, our loved ones, they're talking about him more than ever before. So that's an opportunity. But Father, I think many of them don't understand. Why do I need a Messiah? Oh, Father, for Messiah's people here today at Valley Bible Church, would you guide our steps and guide our mouths and guide our lives? Would you allow us just to even fall into conversations? Just out of the blue. Certainly we want to pursue them, but would you allow us to fall into conversations where people are asking and expressing the cravings and the needs that Messiah meets Oh, when they feel lonely, when they feel that they're searching for truth, when they're longing for truth and righteousness and justice. Help us, Father, to be full of the word of God to say, I know someone who can meet that need. His name is Jesus the Messiah, and that's who we're celebrating at Christmas. Fill our mouths with the truth of Messiah this holiday season, this promised gift that's been given to us. We thank you so much, Father, for giving us the very best gift that we could ever receive. And Father, if there's anybody here today that has never received Jesus as Messiah and God and Lord of their life, oh, move upon their hearts that they would come and say, I bow to King Messiah Jesus. Oh, let us bow. Let us worship and adore him today as we go. In Jesus' name, the Messiah. Amen. Go in Messiah's name and have a merry, merry Christmas. God bless you.